Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Great. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. What a great morning to celebrate the goodness of God. Will you stand and sing with me?
You may be seated. Uh, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, thank you for the gift of life and a new day. Please forgive our sins and hear our prayer. Thank you for allowing us to gather here in this most beautiful part of San Diego in California. We are mindful of all the blessings you have showered upon us at the same time. We are aware of all the people who struggle, both locally and around the world. Lord, thank you for bringing us here in this community together, La Jolla Community Church. May the light of your love, presence, and reality shine through this place for the surrounding community, giving comfort to those seeking comfort, hope to those seeking hope, wisdom to those seeking knowledge, and guidance to those just seeking. And Lord, should it be our destiny or your will that this be our last uh, time gathered together, and instead we find ourselves in your presence, please accept us in your presence, forgive us our sins, comfort our families, and with our grateful thanks for all that you allowed us to do in this life, the adventures you allow us to have, and the dangers you protected us from. And Lord, let us always be aware that even though we may not always say, here I am when you call us, you always say, I am here when we call on you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, our and the glory forever. Amen. Well, good morning, and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Um, we're so glad you're here this morning. If you're here in the sanctuary with us, you got a bulletin when you walked in, and on one side is a, uh, a prayer card. We'd love to join you in praying for whatever you're going through, the good, the mediocre, and the ugly even. And um, <clears throat> we hold these in confidence, and there's a group of people that pray for them every week, um, so these are not ignored. Um, and we also love to pray for anything that uh, has been like an answer to prayer. So if something you've been praying about got answered, um, you know, share that with us. Um, and then uh, on the other side is a service opportunities announcement, and on the bottom you can sign up to serve uh, in, in uh, one of uh, uh, four ways, and if you have a, a thing on there that you'd really like to be doing that's not listed, of course write it in. Um, and then um, uh, also there's three upcoming events that we would love to have your help at, um, and um, so if you're just feeling that, that need or that desire to give back, um, to be serving at something, you know, sign up for one of those. And if you're joining us online today, welcome also. Uh, the screen probably has the link up. It's ljcc.org slash service dash opportunities. Um, thank you, and let's continue worshiping. Thank you, Drake. Well, let me ask you a personal question. Has God ever spoken to you? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you? I won't ask for a show of hands or a story, but if you have a story, I wouldn't mind hearing it later. Uh, it's kind of a big question, isn't it? You know, uh, it sounds a bit presumptuous to think, well, yeah, God speaks to me all the time. And maybe, though, you have had that experience that you have a sense that God is and has been speaking to you. I've certainly had those experiences, and sometimes they were words of warning, don't do that. Uh, other times uh, it was a word of encouragement, do that. Uh, 
that time I got the mullet, that was not a good thing. God was not speaking to me then. Um, uh, maybe you've worn some things that you thought, this is awesome. God was not speaking to you then. Uh, the things that you've done that you look back and say, with great regret, I should never have done that. I can tell you God was not speaking to you unless he was saying, don't do that. And sometimes we override the voice of God, right? We want to do what we want to do, and we rationalize. I can't tell you how many phone conversations or personal conversations I've had with people who were trying to rationalize something that they knew in their heart of hearts, whether God was speaking to them or not, they knew that if they could hear God audibly or get a note from Him, a text, uh, it would say, don't do this. And they were absolutely, enthusiastically, determinedly trying to do what they wanted to do and, and nudge God out of the picture. And then where I come in is they want me to validate that. <laughs> they want me to confirm that and give them some kind of a, an official, okay, yeah, right, and those are very difficult conversations because now it's not just their embarrassment or frustration that they have not been listening to God. It's that I will not cooperate and therefore I'm not listening to God. And even if I am listening to God, I am not listening to them. Uh, and I, I could give you examples of that. Uh, one would be I was a very, very new pastor in Newport Beach and I get this call from a guy. He says, I am Dr. So-and-so. And he was a big deal physician from the local hospital. And uh, I said, wow, okay, great. Um, what can I do for you? He said, well, I'm dating a woman from your church. I'm thinking, it's hardly my church. I barely know how to find my way around this place yet. I said, really? He said, yes. And uh, I said, so what can I do for you? Well, she insists that God says we shouldn't have sex because we're not married and, and, and she says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until I get married, and this is going to be something uh, for, for um, marriage you know, with my husband. And he said, I'm just trying to, I, I've explained things to her medically. This, there's no problem with this. I have explained how I feel about it. And he's going on and on. I said, he said, so, so I'm, I'm just looking for you to give her some guidance. And I said, I just, I'm glad to give her guidance. In fact, I'll give you the same guidance. I think she's right. I think she's really doing you a, a favor by holding out for a value that will enhance your relationship if it, in fact, leads to marriage. He goes, what kind of pastor are you? He goes, did I mention I'm a physician? I said, right, congratulations, you know, you're a physician, but I'm talking about the Word of God. It's not me. I'm just, just remember the messenger, you know, uh, thing. I'm just the messenger of this. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, I agree with the doctor. I don't know. All I knew is that I am giving the clearest, simplest response I have in my capacity to say, this is how God has spoken to us. Now, if people choose to do things, there's consequences and, and maybe there's regrets, and God certainly forgives uh, and, and re, you know, rehabilitates us. But the idea of somehow um, changing what God is, has said to us or, or rationalizing what we know God isn't saying to us is one of the great conundrums of human life. You see this throughout the Bible. Uh, patent disobedience to what God has told a person or even an entire nation. And, and we would be absolutely justified in sitting in judgment on that, except that we do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. This is our capacity. Uh, last night, if you were a... <clears throat> a um, um, a practicing uh, Jew, you would have gathered at, at, a, at a worship service last night because today is uh, the first day of Rosh Hashanah. That's the new year. Rosh means head, 
Ha means the, and Shana means year. So Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. And it's like the top of the year. And so instead of it being January 1, it's, it's whatever the calendar shows, and, and usually it's this time of year. So today, starting tonight, will be Rosh Hashanah. But the day before the start of the new year, there's a service been going on since the 8th century, and it's called Kol Nidre, Kol Nidre. And that just means all vows. And what it is, is it's a peremptory service to, to get everybody together to sing this prayer, Kol Nidre. It's a, Kol Nidre is an Aramaic phrase. It's the language of the people. When this was started, the rabbi said, this is not okay. This is not part of worship. But it's become the most popular part of worship in Judaism. And so it's, it's here to stay. And so Kol Nidre, basically, it's just a long statement of all the vows that I regret making. It's a disclaimer of all the vows I'm about to make in this year. And specifically, vows to God. I swear to God, I will. And if you've heard people say that, it doesn't make you wince when you hear somebody say, I swear to God. It just, even now, it just makes me wince thinking, oh, don't talk like that. So if you make a commitment, like a contract or a commitment to a human being, a deal or something, you can't revoke that. But this is, and why do you think it is? This is a denial of my, my responsibility for having made that vow. It was in the heat of the moment, I meant well, but God, I retract it. Why it had, did this become such a powerful, powerful uh, element of Jewish worship? Because the temple had been destroyed in 70 AD. And once the temple was destroyed, where do you go for the atonement of your sins? So this legal statement, now converted into a prayer and expressed in worship, authentically, genuinely, I don't want to do, I'm, I know I'm going to do something wrong, so right up front, I'm, I'm saying all vows. Uh, in, in about mm, 10 days, uh, uh, Jews will be celebrating uh, Yom Kippur. Yom is day, Kippur, atonement, day of atonement. And so this is another occasion to repent of your sins and to confess your sins. But then the, the element in there that's operational is that now you have to do your very best to improve yourself, which is laudable, fantastic. I mean, wouldn't it be great if all of us started every once in a while, like every day, confessing our sins, receiving God's forgiveness and grace, and then resolving to make better choices and, and, and live more wisely. Uh, this is the dilemma we have because God has already told us what we need to know. And God, in addition to telling us in His Word what we need to know, continues to tell us things through His Holy Spirit and through the wise counsel of other people. So, where are we going with this? It's that uh, from the opening chapters of the Bible to the final chapters, God is speaking. God is speaking. He has not stopped speaking. And everything God says is important, instructive, and inspiring. Wouldn't you like to be able to claim that? Wouldn't you like to think wouldn't you like your teenage son or daughter to think that everything you say is important, instructive, and inspiring? Wouldn't you like all the people who report to you at, at some workplace to feel like everything you say is important, instructive, and inspiring? Instead of hearing it as a stream of blah, 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 honey, blah, 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 honey, blah, blah, you know. So God is still speaking, and the question is, what are we, what are you doing to listen to God? How is that going? How is that going, listening to God? Uh, some of you heard me talk about uh, doing a wedding uh, up in Newport Beach, and 
the guy and his wife to be were go for Christians, followers of Jesus, and he had, he was trying to pull his non-believing sister who was an attorney. Those don't always go together. Don't I'm not making a slam on attorneys. She just happened to be an attorney, not a believer, but he wanted to include her somehow. So he asked her to read some scripture in the service. And so at, before the service, I met with her. Are you everything okay? You ready to go? You practice? Yes, I'm all good. Okay. After the service, I had to go up to her and say, "Hey, excuse me, why did you change the words?" In the passage. Because well, I thought it would be a lot better the way I, I, I rewrote it. You thought, who gave you the, the, the permission to edit God's word? You speak Greek, first of all. She goes, well, that's beside the point. I said, well, actually, it's written in Greek in the, in the original version. If you can't speak Greek, how do you know that you, what you did was correct? I can tell you what you did was not correct. You, you, you really changed the whole meaning of that text. She goes, well, I think it was for the better. Now, now you, we could say, oh, look at it, it's outrageous. Well, you know what? It's just normal. This is the normal way people approach God's word and, and listening to God. But God is still speaking, and his works are proclaimed in the natural world. Before we even get around to vocalization, uh, Psalm 19, 1 tells us, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. <laughs> he leaves... No stone unturned, uh, literally and figuratively, to, to communicate with us. Um, his voice is discerned by those who belong to him and follow him. We see Jesus saying, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They know my voice. Uh, this is the best thing about having a dog. A cat, not so much. Cats don't care who you are and how many times they've heard your voice. They'll decide if they want to recognize your voice. But a dog, we had a dog that was this Australian healer. We had these horses, and this dog was amazing. He would, he would round up the horses and the other animals, and uh, I, was, I, I didn't even live at home anymore. And uh, I would come home, you know, maybe every few months or every year or two or something, you know, but big gaps. And I could drive up in the middle of the night, and there's several acres up in the Bay Area, and I, I would be driving up, and the dog would start barking, I'd get out of the car, and the dog would stop barking. Because I would say, uh, uh, I now can't get my dog's name. What was the name? <laughs> yeah. So, Kit, Kit, it's me. Like, oh. But anybody else would show up, he would not stop barking. She just said, my sheep know my voice. Why do they trust my voice? Well, because it all goes well when you do. In terms of Jesus, whatever he says is important, instructive, and inspiring. His word calls us to respond to his commands. Now, if you're hearing this saying, I don't get it. I'm not that person. I'm not the person who looks in the sky and sees, here's God. I'm not the person who hears Jesus' voice. Well, you can be and you're created to be. And with a little effort, <clears throat> in terms of learning some skills, you will be. His word calls us to respond to his commands. Here's a passage that might be familiar to you out of the, the Old Testament uh, about Samuel. Uh, Samuel was uh, one of the great judges of Israel before they had kings. In fact, he was used by God to raise up the first king, Saul, and then to discover the second king, David. Uh, two books, first and second Samuel in the Old Testament. He was an epic person, amazing person. Uh, when you look at his life, wow. He was, he was a, a, a remarkable uh, man of God. But his mom, Hannah, uh, the second wife of his father, Elkanah, could not have children. And meanwhile, his first wife is having all these kids. And they'd go up every year from their home to worship in what was then the temple, this portable temple in Shiloh. 
and the whole country of Israel, now part of what we call the, the, the West Bank, and uh, they would make sacrifices, and Hannah would weep because the other wife would just mock her, oh, where's your kids? And at one point, she was just weeping and weeping and praying, but she wasn't vo- verbalizing her prayers. She was just praying, but her lips were moving. And the, the priest thought she was drunk. He said, hey, hey, stop this. You can't do this. You've got to stop drinking. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm not drinking. I'm praying out. I'm calling out, crying out to God because of my infertility and my shame and my heartbreak. Uh, and she makes a vow. She says, if I can conceive, in her prayer, and she, she says this, if I can conceive a son, I will commit him to the Lord. And the priest says, go. The Lord will be with you. She comes back a year later with a baby. But she's going to hold on to the baby, Samuel, until he's weaned. And I think he was weaned at about 40. Um, you know, she does, she, now she's going to give the baby up, but she takes a while. And at some point, her husband, Elkanah, who loves her dearly, loves her, loves her, loves her, and shares her heartbreak, now is so happy for her. He says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, um, the baby's now an infant. Um, I'm going up to the temple. Do you want to go and give the baby to the priest? Not, not yet. He says, I just I hope you honor your vow. That's that Kol Nidra thing, right? Don't revoke your vow, in this case. But she brings Samuel and presents him uh, to the priest. Now, meanwhile, the priest Eli has been warned by God, and actually uh, by a, a prophetic voice. This, not, this guy's not described as a prophet, but it says a man came and spoke to him, but everything he said is framed as a prophet would speak, because it's God speaking in the first person through this man. He says, you know, you have betrayed the trust in, in, in trusted to you, and uh, I'm going to take this away from you. Uh, nobody in your family is going to live to be old. <laughs> Your sons have done evil. They were ripping off the people. Everybody who went to worship was ripped off by these sons who were also priests, literally. It was horrible. And so God called them on it. And he said, I'm going to raise up a priest who will be an enduring priest uh, to do my will. So now this little boy is growing up in the presence of the temple. He's got his little outfit on, little priestly outfit. His mom would make him one every year. And he was serving in the temple. Not quite a priest, but a helper. We call him an altar boy, maybe, if you're out of a Catholic tradition. And so this young man is just growing up. Uh, he's, he's, his mother is praying for him. His family comes up and sees him, encourages him. He's just steeping in the things of God, taking it all in. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions because nobody was making any room for them. These evil priests, these compromised priests, were shutting down the voice of God. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. Now remember, it's been years now since the prophecy was given him. He knows it's coming. He doesn't know where and when. He was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli. So he says, he says you know, Hineni, here I am. Same thing that Isaiah said when God said, who should we send? Hineni. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Oh, okay. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. 
My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, as a young man, he's probably a teenager at this point. Think about a kid who's about to graduate from high school. You've been, you've been preparing for this next big transition. You don't know what it's going to quite be like. You're still a boy in many ways, uh, but you're, you're a, a young man in the making. And so Eli is, is going to understand in a nanosecond what's going on here. Not so much Samuel yet. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now he's soaking up all the liturgy, all the symbolism, all the content of worship, which by the way is no small thing. If you grew up in the Catholic Church and it doesn't work for you because of the smells and the bells, rethink that. You you might, if you're Greek Orthodox, you might want to rethink that. And if you say, well, I don't really want to return to that environment. Okay, but rethink. All those elements mean something. Uh, I, I can show you any number of churches in Great Britain that um, are counter to what God's Word teaches in terms of what they preach. They've compromised the Word of God. You can't go to an Anglican church service, worship service, and not be steeped in the Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament. The Word of God is so profoundly present by the time the guy gets up to preach the compromised sermon about how everything is okay, do what's right in your own eyes, it's too late. You've already heard the Word of God. You've already embraced the Word of God. And so when those churches are visited, so to speak, uh, by people who are saying, hey, hey, let's preach the Word more faithfully, those churches go, go from zero to 60. Because people say, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this was what the Word of God was about. But they were prepped by all those elements of worship. You see the, the voice of God speaking through all those Smells and bells, through all those scripture readings, through all those prayers. Thank God there's a liturgy because it keeps continuity with what is actually the Word of God. So Eli had gotten the benefit of that, but didn't really have it put together yet what the law of God was teaching. You with me on this? Never ever disparage a written prayer. Never ever disparage a worship service that's very structured and very formal. It might not be your thing, but unless you internalize that structure... God, God bless you, because you're going to be out there floating around, not quite anchored. You don't have to be in a church that's very structured, but if you don't have that structure internalized, you're not ready. And you can get that structure lots of ways. And Eli was about to tell Samuel, there's more. <clears throat> so Samuel didn't know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, Shmuel, we have it said, Shmuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You, call, you called me. You called me? Maybe he's saying with a question mark by now. Uh, I think you called me. Somebody's calling me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Isn't it interesting, the one good thing that Eli did was to give him a structure? If you have small kids, I hope you're giving your kids structure. We would rehearse with our kids. Hey, if you're in this situation, we do a little role playing with them. And they were like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll know what to do. Okay, great. I know you will. 
Let's just rehearse this little dialogue. Somebody says this to you. Somebody offers you this. Somebody suggests this. What would you do? And just that rehearsal, just giving people a dialogue, giving people some structure that when the Lord speaks, and you're going, uh, my mind has turned to jello. I have no idea what to say. It's as simple as saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. I love that. You think as we learn to listen to God, there's some things that we might start to understand and apply that would not only cause us to feel like, wow, I'm, I'm somehow hearing God with not maybe an audible voice, or maybe occasionally with an audible voice, but I'm hearing God and I'm being able to separate out from all the noise, His voice, and it gives me a sense of tingle. It gives me a sense of, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden, you start to have conversation with people that aren't about talking them in or out of anything, but just being you in Christ, in their presence. And somehow they're starting to see some things and hear some things, be curious about some things. So the question is, does God speak to us today still? Yes, of course He does. That's His promise to us. We see in Deuteronomy, uh, even when He appears to be silent, He's present. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says to the people of Israel before they go into the, the promised land, hey, by the way, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even if you're not seeing me or hearing me, I'm with you. Jesus said, you can, be, you can be assured I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As he tells his apostles, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and go and make disciples of all nations and, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. You might not see me or even necessarily hear me, but I will be with you. So God continues speaking through his Holy Spirit in scripture, in prayer, and in people. This is why prayer matters. This is why prayer is not just a little, you know, a garnish on the plate. It's part of the main meal. That's why scripture is so essential and foundational. Well, but what if, if it was so important, why would, and there's so many Bibles out there, why wouldn't the world be a different place? Ah, great question. How many of those Bibles have not been opened? How many of those Bibles are basically a display feature or a cherished family heirloom? The fact that people aren't necessarily reading it and, and applying it creatively, and maybe the only people you know who apply it are creating it, are, are, are applying it in ways that are, you know, dysfunctional. They take the Bible out of context, they start doing wacky things, and you think, well, that's it, I don't need the Bible. No, 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 what you need is the Bible, not with that kind of commentary. You don't need your sister at your wedding changing the, the content of Scripture. You need the, the unadulterated version, and you need to let it get to your head and your heart. So, of course, God speaks to us however He wants, whenever He wants, in whatever way He wants. Never limit the way God might speak to you, in a dream, in a vision, through His Word, obviously, through a conversation, through just a moment where something catches you off guard, you think, wait a minute, I think I'm supposed to be listening to something here that God wants to tell me. In counseling, you're in counseling, and, and as you're processing whatever brought you into counseling, something clicks, and you go, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, and you put some things together. Never ever discount how God might speak to you. Never ever replace the Word of God, though. 
Because if you, as, soon as, as soon as you replace the Word of God as not the primary foundational text, then you're open to Satan saying, did God really say? If we're honest, though, we're too impatient, distracted, and undisciplined to listen to God. I'll get to it. It's, it's not that important. I, I, you know. We're easily distracted. I've been here for two minutes and God has not spoken. We're impatient. I want an answer, I want it now. Undisciplined. I'm not going to read all that stuff in the Old Testament, all those names and places I don't understand. I'm not going to read the New Testament, all those enigmatic phrases from Jesus. I'll trust that somebody else knows what's going on. I love how the psalmist says it in Psalm 130, in what's called the Song of Ascent, as the people would walk up from wherever they lived, they'd walk up because Jerusalem is high. They'd walk up to Jerusalem and they'd sing these songs. And the very first one is this. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for your mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. I'm actually focusing on the Lord. My whole being waits, and in His Word, in His Word, I put my hope. So Scripture is foundational for knowing God, understanding His works, and learning how to pray. Scripture also speaks to your circumstances, your conscience, and your life patterns. If we stop long enough to let it speak to us. As we read it and start to see the patterns, you'll say, oh my gosh, this is like a that's like a Samuel situation. Oh my gosh, that's like what Gideon went through. Oh my gosh, this is what I read in Job. Oh, this is like that thing Jesus was doing. And all of a sudden you start to put these together and you think, how can something so long ago in a different culture, in a different language, be relevant to my life? It's, I, but I see the same pattern. The same conscience that existed in people then is the same conscience that exists in people now. And so God speaks to our conscience. God speaks into our circumstances, the heartbreaks, the disappointments, the joys, the aspirations. Do you think that's any different than what Abraham and Sarah went through? Is your infertility any different than Sarah's or Hannah's? Is your disappointment with whatever any different than those people you read the Bible? No. And so all of a sudden, it's not, it's not trying to force something that's ancient into something that's modern, saying the continuity of being a human being in a fallen world in desperate need of what God alone can provide is what all of us need to learn to listen to. In fact, I love how Elihu, speaking of Job, Elihu reminded Job that God speaks in dreams and visions and even through pain. Uh, three friends of Job's are coming up, giving him all this stuff, distracting him, confusing him, bumming him out. And finally, one of his friends, Elihu, says, hey, you don't listen to these guys. God can speak to you through your pain. Job, you're trying to now take God to task for the fact that you've had such incredible pain. Guess what? Maybe this is God's love for you expressed in speaking to you through these circumstances. Maybe it's just not about you. Maybe it's about you and the people you're going to affect or your generations from now. Now, building on Scripture, prayer then is our active connection, our real-life response to God's Holy Word and Holy Spirit. Prayer then is a response, verbally or non-verbally, to what we read in God's Word. First of all, by meditating on the Word, uh, applying what is now a co-option of that in modern parlance, mindfulness. Mindfulness is just a secular version of prayerfulness. 
But in this case, we're focusing on the Word of God, not wonderful thoughts from creative people. We were walking down, I had to go get a, bat, a, wa- a watch battery yesterday afternoon, and <clears throat> we're walking back from uh, getting that down Gerard, and there's some people in front of Warwick's, and they're selling some books and stuff, and, and uh, we said hi, and, and so we're talking to them, and it was leaving, they said, oh, you want, you want to take this? And on the back was this inane phrase, it was all this inanity. It was just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo, goofy, kind of well-intentioned, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, I'm just... I was reading it thinking, this is so non-logical. And, but it was all these words and clever w- wordplay, but it basically said, stuff happens, I hope it happens to you. You know, something like that. And, and I, I thought, wow, um, this is what happens when we get disconnected from the Word of God, and you can't even pray then. I thought, hey, could you, I was reading it, and I thought, this is silly. Well-intentioned, sounds cool, sounds spiritual, but could you pray this? No, there's no prayer in here. It's this confusion. We need the order of God's word to help us understand that we can have a conversation with him that answers our deepest needs. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I going? What should I do? The word of God gives us that. So as we start to talk to God and listen to God, it it starts literally a conversation. It might feel one-sided because we don't always hear God. But at some point as we're processing this stuff, God is speaking to us. And why do you think it's so hard to hear God? Well, think about it. He's God and you're not. I'm not. How, do you, how would you possibly think that it would be easy to talk to God? Do you know that NASA routinely sends up stuff that if somebody out there finds it, they'll find some way, and that typically it's semaphore, it's signs and symbols that they try to in- include so that if somebody sees something from our world, they might put together who we are and what we're about, Right? So what NASA is recognizing is that we don't know if we'll be able to communicate if there's other people out there. So why would we think that if I can't talk to somebody in Italy, if I don't speak Italian, that I'd be able to speak to God? So God is very patient with us in speaking to us in so many ways that give us some kind of access. Are you taking advantage of those? Because see, through that ongoing conversation initiated by God, he's calling us into his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done as Gene led us in prayer. God shapes our heart, our mind, our life under his sovereign authority. And as we respond to God, he gives us authority and responsibility to represent his kingdom. You are image bearers of God, therefore you are kingdom spokespersons for God. Well, that's a tall order, and if we're not prepared for it, we don't have much to say. But by listening to God, we can learn to know him, experience him, and express his love and authority. Our authority, and and you have authority, you have spiritual authority that might be untapped. Perhaps if you're not anchored deeply and rooted in Christ enough, you're you're misrepresenting the the authority you've been given. And this is the value of having read the Bible for a while. You don't need a theological degree to do it. But having read it and, and, and reflected on it long enough, when somebody then says something to you that's completely off the wall or misrepresents the Bible, you're more likely to be able to say, I'm not sure this is what it says. Let's look at that together. And also you're invoking an authority, not to speak people down, to shut them down, but to say, I wonder if we, there's more here that we can discover than what we're presently <laughs> talking about. 
And so our authority is the credible power God gives us to fulfill our God-given responsibility. What is credible power? It just means trustworthy, believable, dependable. We're blessed to be a blessing, not called to be a curse to people. And so what's the end point of this? Well, listening to God produces servant leadership grounded in humility and vulnerability. We're people who are humble. We ask more questions than making declarations. We're vulnerable. We're willing to say, I was wrong. I misunderstood that. I didn't handle that well. In order to be able to say, I'm learning and growing too. I don't have to be an authority on everything, but I do have authority, and I want to learn how to uh, appropriate it properly and apply it uh, properly. And that looks like servant leadership. If you're around a person who says, I have authority, and they don't look like a servant leader, be on your guard about the way that they're maybe abusing or misusing their authority. Think about the power of a policeman. And if you're a person who grew up always wondering, is this policeman going to do something bad to me? It's hard to flip that thinking. If you've come from a country where policemen are corrupt or if your experience of police in this country are corrupt. Now, if your experience, which is, I think, more normal for people, is that I'm, I'm, I look to police for help. I don't run from police. I, I find them helpful. But every once in a while, when you meet a policeman or an immigration officer with attitude, it's very unpleasant because you realize, I have no power, and they're misusing their power. And we could probably tell all kinds of stories here about policemen misusing their power. It, it tarnishes the whole, the whole police movement. An immigration officer, a DMV official, pick anybody you want. A traffic cop. I saw a traffic cop yesterday. The guy's running to his car. He finally gets to his car, and as he's opening the door, this little cart pulls up and blocks his way out. The lady takes a picture of his license, because obviously he'd been marked previously, and this guy realized he was late. And then she won't let him out, and she's taking the picture, and she's producing a ticket. I'm thinking that was in her legal right to do that. But really, wouldn't it have been better to see the guy running down the street to say, hey, hey, okay, don't do that again. And that guy's going to walk away going, I hate cops. I hate traffic people. I hate that authority that's been used against me. We all feel that way. Authority is so precious and so powerful. If we don't Anchor our authority and the humility and vulnerability that comes with a servant leader attitude rooted and grounded in Christ. The world is going to resent the authority of the church. And the world does resent the authority of the church because it's been so abused and misused. If you are a native, a Canadian, a First Nations Canadian, would you go to a church-sponsored school in Alberta or Saskatchewan? No, you wouldn't. Because somebody could point to all the unmarked graves of kids who were abused and dumped there. So this is where trust is hard won and easily lost. The church needs to get really clear about the authority entrusted to us in the name of Jesus so that we don't mess it up. And if we do find that we've messed it up, we can say, hey, please forgive me. That was inappropriate. I, didn't, I shouldn't have done that. So God speaks in ways that accomplishes his will because his word gets things done. And our motive for learning to listen to him is that we can learn to do what he created us to do. God has a job for you to do. Yes, it's, it's raising your kids. Yes, it's paying your taxes. Yes, it's being a good neighbor and a citizen. But embedded in that is a way of being all those things that somehow brings a redemptive presence into the world. That's why Paul could say, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That hopefully the glory of God is revealed in you, not because you're so awesome, but because you're learning to be faithful as you're listening to God. And that's what it means to pray, thy will be done. 
It's not, it's not a burden, it's a gift. It's not a have to, I gotta do God's will. It's a, it's a get to, I get to do God's will. <clears throat> and so, as I said at the very beginning, we can develop skills and habits to listen to God and to distinguish His voice from all the noise. If, if you are going to community Bible study, you're learning skills and habits for distinguishing God's voice. If you're in a life group that's using the Word of God as a central piece of your, your community together, you're on the track. If you're taking a course that teaches you how to apply the Word of God, skills. Faith is a skill-based thing. It's not just a heart thing. It's certainly a heart thing or a thinking thing, but it's learning skills and habits that allow us to live into the fullness of who we are in Christ to then bear the responsibility and authority entrusted to us by Christ. And this starts at the earliest age. Teaching a child to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It happens when we're in our midlife. It happens at the end of life. Wouldn't you like to think that the older we get, we're more quick to say, ah, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us to show us how it's done. And so it's not far-fetched to think I can learn skills and habits that will allow me to listen to God's voice. Um, it's not presumptuous to desire this. Who do you think you are? Well, I think I'm a child of God, a beloved child of God, and he wants me to learn his voice. He wants me to be able to say, Abba, Father. It's the normal life we're made for. Uh, Israel knew this from the Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Moses says, hey, people, this is what God is telling us. Shema, listen up, Israel. The Lord our God is one. Teach these things to your children. Talk about them every day. The Shema is a big voice because it's a, it's a it's an emphatic, Shema, listen. But then there's the other side of it, the still small voice. Elijah, one of the great prophets of God, takes on outrageous, powerful forces. Ahab and Jezebel. He defeats the prophets of Baal. It's epic. But now they say, and you're going to pay for this. We will never let you have a day of peace again until we kill you. And so he's freaking out. He runs to the mountains. And he goes, Lord, everybody, oh my gosh, everybody's deserted you except for me. And the Lord says, well, actually, there's about 5,000 people like you out there, but I know you're tired. And, and speak to me, Lord. And so it says, if you remember, it's not through the big wind. It's not through the rocks and the, and the, and the, the earthquakes. And the, it's not through this big event. It says, I love the way it says, it's, it was a kol dumamadaka, a calm, clear, quiet voice. I read recently some person who is a big, they, their books are out everywhere about religion and spiritual things. And this person said, they would say, I used to be a Christian, now I'm a, I'm, I'm a Confucian. And I would say, you're just confused. Don't blame Confucius. But this person said, oh, I got a better translation of it's not a calm, quiet, voice. It's the wind. It's, it's just the wind. I'm like That depersonalizes it. God wants to speak to you in a personal voice, to your heart, to your mind, through His Word, through His Spirit, and yours. And if it's audible, awesome. But don't expect it to be audible. If it is, fine. But He wants to speak personally to you. Are you listening? We've got to focus on Him in order to listen to Him. And if you don't know what to say when he does speak, remember, 
You've got it rehearsed now. You've got a structure to put in place. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Otherwise, we'll spout inane things to God and about God, and we'll be hurting, not helping. And our, defi- our behavior will be defined by our needs and our fears and our wants and our, our desires, not his love. But here's the beautiful thing about listening to God. He speaks to and through our fears to bless others. He speaks to and through our needs and wants to bless others. He speaks to and through our desires and aspirations to bless others. Isn't that weird? If you don't listen to him, you're stuck in your fears. You're stuck in your needs. You're stuck in your wants and desires. But as soon as we open ourselves to God and and literally intentionally start listening to him through his word in a structured, disciplined way, it doesn't take hours every day. It takes minutes every day. Then all of a sudden, our fears are the place where he meets us. Our needs and wants and desires and aspirations are the place where he meets us. And not only does he meet us there, he uses that and our openness and our responsiveness to bless other people. That's crazy, isn't it? It's upside down. How can God use me? I'm a walking basket of insecurities and contradictions. Ah, if you start listening to him, you'll be amazed. And so this happens personally as we listen to him and prayerfully discern his word together. This is not a solo adventure. People get sideways with God and the Word of God when they just do it on their own in a vacuum. It's a hermetically sealed little system, and it becomes imaginary, not imaginative. Imaginative is that I start to see how the Word of God applies to everything. Imaginary is that I impose my crazy ideas on the world. So this is why all that we do about listening to God is personal. We've got to do it for ourselves, but immediately it draws us into a community where we can test out the efficacy, the validity of what we're concluding. And this is why, again, community Bible study or any kind of small group or Bible study, powerful, because you get to say, hey, I'm, I'm seeing it this way. Give me some feedback. I think you're right on. Or, you know, I, I, maybe I would change the way you're seeing that. I think the word says this, not that. Ah. So it becomes collaborative. We need one another to listen to God. We don't need each other to tell everybody what to listen to and what to do, but we need to listen together and compare notes about what are you learning? What are you seeing? God is speaking, so let's learn to hear him, discern his will, and obey him. Why? Because we'll, becoming, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll become more trustworthy, more credible, more confident, more wise. We'll do the things that we were created to do. I leave you with this. It's a prayer and a benediction from Paul. He says, now, to him, to the Lord, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in the community, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So Lord Jesus, this is our prayer. your love and power, your truth, your grace, your mercy, your compassion would be released in this world through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and through your people as we appropriate your word, as we're empowered and guided by your Holy Spirit, as we repent of our sins, as we receive your grace, as we rejoice in the life that you're opening up for us one day at a time as we walk with you. I thank you for each one here. For those discouraged, Lord, I pray you'd encourage their hearts as they turn to you. For those who are feeling very confident uh, and strong, I pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd remind them of, of humility and vulnerability that, that 
Um, everything they're experiencing is a gift from you. Lord, I pray you'd give us confidence and boldness because of you in us and that we'd have uh, the kind of uh, attitude that allows our authority to be a blessing to people, not a burden. So Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for speaking and teach us, Lord, to be better listeners to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's time for an offering, and, it, it, and once again, our offering is presenting ourselves to the Lord. Uh, if you want to give, fantastic. We, we need um, your generous support to function as a church. But you can do that by putting money in the little box or sending it in. Um, but really right now, the offering is you. You saying, Hineni, here I am. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let's do that as we wrap up worship.
pray for you about anything, especially about what you've heard right now. Uh, go right out around the corner to that lovely garden. It's a prayer garden. It's beautiful. Uh, and there'll be people to pray with you to say, uh, well, how can I pray for you? If you say, you know, I just need uh, focus uh, to read God's word, to listen to his voice, they'll pray for you. If you have a big issue, they'll pray for that. If you don't want to even talk about your need for prayer, but just pray for me, they'll pray for you. Uh, if there's something else that concerns you, a loved one, a situation, they'll pray for you. Prayer is so powerful. Let them pray over you and for you. I have found it so, so fantastic. People put their hand on me and pray for me. And, and so will you if you haven't done that before. Or just still talking to you, they'll pray for you. And then get something to eat and then come back at 11. Uh, we're going to do a thing for about 45 minutes. It's called the Alpha Course. It's awesome. 20 million people have done it. It comes out of Great Britain. Uh, we've done it before. Last time we did it, we had about 120 people do it. It's just fantastic. And, and really, you watch a, a, a very creative video, and then you just, you just talk in small groups about, well, what did you see? What did that mean to you? Really fun. So come back at 11 o'clock here after you've gotten something to eat, and meanwhile, go out and get a prayer. If there's anything else we can do to help you walk with Christ, we want to help you do that, to start that relationship, to restart it, and to make it stronger. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us his peace, his love, his mercy and kindness, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.